0: Uh, but today, I wanted to talk to you about something that I find really unique. Um, uh, really, it's just one word. We're going to talk about invitation this morning. And I know when we hear that word invitation, if you're anything like me, you think, really? Is that really that important that we have to talk about that on a Sunday morning? Like, is that that big of a word? And I think as as we kind of uncover this and we think back on invitation and what invitations meant to us and even what invitations we've received, what we begin to uncover is this, is that an invitation has the ability, an invitation really can change everything. I mean, think back over your life. Think about some of the invitations you received, whether it was uh, an invitation to, uh, you know, to to your prom uh, for a date, whether it was an invitation to, you know, for a date with your first boyfriend or girlfriend, or an invitation to a wedding, an invitation to a funeral. An invitation really does have the ability to change everything, to change the entire course of our lives, to change the trajectory of our lives and where we're headed. And, And if you don't believe me, let me tell you a story about an invitation that I received. When I was in college, I received an invitation that completely changed my life forever. Now, I didn't know it at the moment when I received the invitation, but as we look back over our lives, we can see how much one moment, one time, can change your life forever. I, I, this was my first year of college, and I've told you guys before. I I'm, I'm wasn't, and I'm still not, a very outgoing person. Um, so what most non-outgoing students do, we wind up in the student union doing our homework because, you know, we have no friends and no place to go. So I did what most non-outgoing kids do. This is my first year of school, and I'm sitting in the student union doing my homework, like every good kid without friends, and in walks somebody who I've met throughout the year, but I really wasn't friendly with, we really didn't know each other well, and he comes over to me and extends me an invitation that would completely change my life. This kid had been tasked with a teacher. He had been given an invitation by a professor to put a team together of students who would intern at the church to build up a youth program to help out with their kids, to go up every Sunday the following year to be a part of what's going on in that church. And this kid, who I had met before, was meeting with his friend to kind of figure out who this team would be. And they really weren't sure who to add. We went to a Bible college, and, you know, if you ever go to a Bible college, like, 50% 50% of the kids are really weird, Fifty another, another 25% are even weirder. <clears throat> so he walks into the student union. Lo and behold, I'm the kid there with no friends doing my homework. And no joke, I didn't find this out until later on, like probably a year or two later. He walked into the student union and looked at his friend and goes, he doesn't look weird. Let's ask him. That's honestly how it went. So he walks over and asks me if I'd be a part of their team next year to intern at this church. I have no friends. I have no idea what I was doing. I'm like, sure, friends. I'm in. I'll be a part of it. And that moment, that invitation, completely transformed my life. For the next three years, I interned at that church. I I became very good friends with the professor. As a matter of fact, when that uh, internship ended and I graduated, I was hired on as the youth pastor. Uh, Friendships were developed on that team that that, that still last today, like some 20 years later. We're still close. We still know each other. As a matter of fact, I'm going to dinner with one of them this weekend. Like Just friendships that changed a life. But something else happened that was unique there. While I was there, I met this incredible young woman who I offered an invitation to, an invitation to go on a date. She thankfully said yes after all of the pressure and all of the harassing and the consistent invitations. She said yes, and then about a year and a half later, I offered another invitation to marry me, and she said yes again. And then she became my wife, and we had three beautiful girls. And that one moment, I can look back on the, on the course of my life and see how one invitation completely changed my life. That if he walked in and thought to himself, he's weird, I'm not asking him, I would have never had those friendships. I would have never had my first job as a youth pastor. I would have never been able to meet my wife, have the three incredible girls I have. My entire life changed because of an invitation. And my guess is for you that if you were to look back over your life and some of the things you experienced, maybe some of the best times in your life, my guess is all of that can be kind of brought back to an invitation. Someone extending an invitation to you. My guess is also that you can also look back over the worst times of your life and realize that also happened by an invitation. I shouldn't have answered that call. I shouldn't have gone out on that date. I shouldn't have texted back. I shouldn't have taken that job. I shouldn't have went went and met her for drinks. You see, an invitation really does have the ability and the power to change everything. Over the course of our lives, we'll receive many invitations. Over the course of our lives, we'll accept many invitations. And those invitations have the ability to change the trajectory of your entire life. And not just your life. Think about it even personally. The invitations you offer. You may not know the outcome. You may not know where it's going to go. I know that my friend who extended me that invitation had no idea that I would meet my wife or the girl who would one day become my wife. He had no idea that how my life would completely change. But because he was willing to offer an invitation, the trajectory of my life was forever changed. And when we think about this in church, I'm going to connect it this way. I grew up in church. I grew up uh, in a church that was created by church people for church people. Now, if you spent any time in church growing up in church at all or a church in years past, my guess is your experience might be similar to mine. A uh, church by church people for church people was great for church people. But anytime you invite somebody who wasn't in church, who wasn't familiar with church, or maybe had a really kind of bad attitude toward church or wasn't sure what they believed about God, and you brought them to a church like that, you, it kind of felt weird, didn't you? Every time I invited my friends to this church, and it didn't happen often, told you, not outgoing, didn't have a lot of friends. But anytime I kind of worked up the courage enough to invite a friend to come to church with me, they would come to church and I would just sit and kind of squirm in the seat like, oh, don't be weird. Who's going to sing? How many songs? Why are they going to say this? Like, it just, it felt weird, doesn't it? Because it's a church by church people for church people. And as I got older and older, I kind of thought to myself, can't we do something different? Like, can't, can't this be better? Can't church be fun? I became a youth pastor, and as I was a youth pastor, I would take these kids to youth events and to large gatherings, and there would be like awesome music, and it would be fun, and there would be like these dynamic speakers. I would sit and think to myself, can't big church be like that? Can't big church be fun? Can't big church be engaging? Can't it be better than what it's always been? And for years, I kind of sat on that. I met my wife, we got married, and we kind of talked about this idea someday that, that maybe we would have an opportunity to do a church that was different than what we grew up with, that wasn't a church by church people, for church people, that didn't feel weird when you invited someone, but felt very different. But we weren't sure how to make that a reality. About four years ago, I was given the invitation to plant a church, to launch a church. And we began to like dream about all these ideas of what it could be like and what would it look like. And we didn't know, because we didn't know if there was any, ever a church that was doing this. We didn't know of churches that were doing this. Every church we'd ever been in was a church by church people for church people. So we began to visit churches and and travel around meeting other pastors and going to other churches. And lo and behold, one of our trips took us to Atlanta, Georgia, where we wound up at North Point Community Church for a conference. And we walk in. And I remember during the first session, I'm sitting with my wife, and I lean over and I whisper in her ear, this is it. This is exactly what I've been dreaming about for years. Since I was 18 years old as a teenager, thinking about how uncomfortable and awkward church was, this was my dream. This is what I want. I want to create a church that isn't for church people. I want to create a church that is for the people that I want to bring to church, for the people that are far from God, for the people that would never think about darkening a door of a church, for the people that every time they've gone to church, they felt out of place. They felt like they weren't invited and they weren't welcome. They felt like maybe they had to change to be a part of what's going on. And it just felt out of place. I wanted to create a church that was different. And I found that vision begin to come into play at this church called North Point Community Church. As a matter of fact, we put some words behind it. This is our mission. You've heard me say this before. We set out to create a church where unchurched people would love to attend. Not a church for unchurched people because that wouldn't work. It was a church created by church people for unchurched people, for unchurched people to love to be there, where they, they don't have to believe what we believe. They don't, have to, they don't have to say the things we say. They just can belong and then over the course of time maybe believe. You've heard me say this before, we always talk about when you follow Jesus, Jesus makes your life better, regardless of what you believe about him, because we see that with his followers. His followers followed Jesus and followed Jesus before they ever knew that he was the Messiah and the Son of God. And then after time, they believed, and then they became not just, not only was their life better, but they became better at life themselves. And that's been our mission, to create a church where unchurched people would love to attend, where people who were far from God, we called them seekers, starters, and returners. People who weren't really sure about what God was. They were just kind of seeking. Is there a truth? Is there a God? Is there a being somewhere who created us? I don't know. Let me find out. Seekers. For starters, people who had heard about God, maybe had a foundation at, at a child, as a child, but they kind of walked off the path because church got weird for them. Or returners, people who had gone and who had been offended, who had been kind of pushed out from church because they were different or didn't say the right things or as weird as church can get, like believe and, and dress the right way. We set out to create a church for these kind of people, for people who didn't want to be in church and didn't like God. And lo and behold, we begin to see things happen. We weren't sure that it would work. We weren't sure that it would work in Maine. We saw it work in, in the South, but would it work in Maine? Would it work in New England? We weren't really sure. And we set out two years ago to launch this church, and we kind of looked down at, at our money, or, or really the lack thereof, and, and the people, which, were, again, there weren't many people, And we looked at everything. We said, I'm not sure that this is going to work, but I I think I'd rather die trying than go back to how we've experienced church our whole life. So two years ago, we launched. And guess what? People came. You came. And you started to bring other people with you. And over the course of about two years, we saw lives come and lives being transformed. We saw kids come and kids dragging, literally dragging their parents to church every week. We want to go. We heard they give out Starburst every week. This is amazing. They don't do that in church. We want to go to church. And they started bringing their parents. And then over this summer, we saw another thing happen where we kind of outgrew one service. Our one service was packed. Our kids' ministry was just bursting at the seams. So we launched two services. And over the course of two services, we've seen it grow again, and we've seen it grow again and again. But you have to understand, our goal was never to grow a big church. Our goal was never to just plant another church in Bangor, because really, Bangor didn't need another church. Hamden doesn't need another church. There are three churches in one square mile right here. It needed a different kind of church. It needed a church that was created by church people for unchurched people, not for church people. And we set out to do it. And as we've done it, we've seen people connect, and we've seen people come, and we've seen people become a part of what we're doing. We've seen people connect to this because somebody was willing to send an invitation. Somebody was willing to say, you should come with me. You see, here's what I know about you, that if you're here, somewhere along the way, someone invited you, because we're not that old, and I remember who we started with. So somewhere along the way, you got an invitation, and you came. And then somewhere along the line for you, maybe you got kind of on board with this and felt like, this isn't a church like I remember. This isn't a church I grew up with. This isn't what I've heard about. This is different. This is unique. This is, this is cool. And you started bringing somebody else with you. You see, there's a strategy for that, and we call that invest and invite. We actually kind of built our church on this kind of strategy. Some churches do it with advertising, and they spend millions of dollars in these huge budgets making commercials. We say, no, we don't want to do that. We want to do something different. We want people to connect and really to connect relationally. We want the people that are here to invest in the people around them, their neighbors, their friends, their family, the people who they know that aren't in church and aren't connected or maybe hate their church experience. We want them to begin to invest in those relationships and then invite them to be a part of what's happening here. And over the course of time, we've seen that exact thing happen. Now, I know that sounds pretty awesome, but I can't take credit for that. I didn't create that idea. I didn't make that happen. As a matter of fact, that's exactly how Jesus' first followers became his followers. We just kind of stole the idea from Jesus. I mean, really, you've heard me say this before. If a man can predict his own death and resurrection, we just kind of do what he says. So he did this, and we thought, would it work for us? And that's what we set out to do. So we're going to look at the kind of the story of Jesus that happens in the book of John. We have four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is kind of this really interesting story because John doesn't start at the beginning of Jesus' life. John starts with another guy named John. Now, it's not the same John. I know that's confusing that there's two Johns in the Bible, but there are. There's John who's the author. He, he's like the Apostle John. He becomes Jesus' best friend, his like close, close kind of connection on earth. And then John, the author, talks about this other guy named John, who you've probably heard about before. He's this, like, wacky, crazy guy who shows up out of the desert wearing weird clothes, eating weird food, talking about God in weird ways. And he starts baptizing people in this dirty river called the Jordan River. He becomes known as John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. And John the Baptist, he's starting this ministry and he's, and he's talking about this Messiah that's coming in this really kind of radical way. And people think he's a heretic, they think he's crazy, but he's kind of electrifying and magnetic and he's drawing crowds and not like, like small crowds, like tens and twenties, and like hundreds of people. He's drawing thousands and thousands of people are out to listen to him. One day he's out and he's doing his crazy thing, talking, he's baptizing people in the Jordan River, and Jesus walks by. And here's the account that that John the Apostle gives us of this story. John the Baptist is baptizing people. Jesus walked by. John the Baptist looks up and says this, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, that is a huge statement that I can't even begin to unpack because we could spend weeks talking about this. But this is so big. He takes away the sin. When we think of Jesus and sometimes we pray, we talk about Jesus, just forgive us our sins. It's so much bigger than that. It's not like you're writing Jesus an apology note. He has taken them away from you forever. They're gone. They're not a part of your life. He has taken away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God, the Messiah that was prophesied in all of these ancient books that the the Jewish people, we call it the Old Testament. This was their covenant, their Bible, and all of those prophecies about the Messiah. John looks up, and it's like he sees with fresh eyes for the first time. There he is. There's the guy we've been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years. Look! It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now understand, up to this point, Jesus hasn't done anything. Jesus has no followers. No one's walking around. He's not walking on water, all those crazy stories. He's done none of that. He's just kind of walking along, minding his own business. The next day, something similar happens. John tells us that, again, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Now, John the Baptist, he had disciples. He had followers. He had lots of them. At this moment, there were two of them that were with him. doing his thing he looks up again and he sees jesus and he says this look the lamb of god again john pointing out here he is here's the messiah we've been waiting for except today something happens when the two disciples who were with john heard him say this they followed jesus they left following john and they started following jesus jesus has no followers and these two guys Hear John point out, hey, that's the Lamb of God. And they just kind of stop following John. I no longer have any allegiance to you. I'm going to follow this guy, Jesus. And here's how like, weird it gets. They just start following him around. And sure enough, it kind of strikes Jesus as a little weird, Like I'm sure it would you if you just like, walk out and two guys just start following you out into the parking lot. Like, you kind of have, have the same reaction Jesus does. This is how Jesus responds. Turning around, Jesus says to them who are following him, what do you want? Like, what are you doing? Why are you here? And the two guys look at Jesus and they say, "Hey, Rabbi," which means teacher. Rabbi, where are you staying? Which in our like 20th century, 21st century lingo is like, "Hey, where are you going? What you doing? Can I come?" Like, hey, Jesus. Like John says, you're this amazing thing that we've been waiting for, and I don't know much about you. I've really never even met you, but what are you doing? (laughs) Can I come too? And listen to Jesus' response. He turns to these two guys that just start following him, which is, again, it's a little creepy. Hey, where are you staying? Jesus says, Come and you will see. And the very first people that start following Jesus start following him because of an invitation to come and see. Hey, Jesus, I'm I'm really not sure what John means when he says you're the Messiah. I don't really know what all of that might mean, but where are you going? come and see. What are you going to do, Jesus? Come and see. Are you really the Messiah? Just come and see. These two disciples who had previously followed John the Baptist, John gives us their names. He says the first one is Andrew. Andrew was Simon Peter's brother. This is the, the Peter that we know about who becomes a disciple, who you know, denies Jesus three times the night Jesus is crucified. And then later comes back to Jesus and Jesus says, on, on Peter's incredible statement that you're the Messiah, that's how I'm going to build my church. This is this Peter who doesn't know Jesus at all. Andrew goes and finds his brother Simon Peter. Peter. Andrew was one of the two, rather, who had heard what John had said and would follow Jesus. And the first thing Andrew does is he goes and he finds his brother Simon, who is Peter, and tells him, We have found the Messiah. We have found the person who, who is the Christ, who we've been waiting for, who's been prophesied about. Hey, Peter, I found him. And he brought him to Jesus. Now you have to understand, up until this point, it had been hundreds and hundreds of years that, like, of silence from God. It had been hundreds of years that God hadn't done anything with the people of Israel. As a matter of fact, it was 900 years before the la- uh, until the last prophet. 900 years, the last prophet was there, prophesied about Jesus and what would happen, and then there's absolute silence. They hear nothing from God, and then Jesus shows up. And these guys are like, man, we've heard about this. We've read about this. There was, there was like bedtime stories our parents would tell us about this Messiah that would come and be king and, and change the world forever, and I think we found him. Peter, you, you got to come. I'm not sure what it means. I'm not sure what he's going to do. I'm not sure how this might change things in our, in our world. But man, you just got to come and see him. And Andrew brings Peter to Jesus. The next day, Jesus decides to leave for Galilee. John tells us. Now, Galilee, Jesus is from the town of Nazareth. Nazareth is a town in Galilee. We've talked about this before. We're, we're the, in this kingdom, Judea is kind of down south. And then in the middle is Samaria. That's like the no man's land where no one likes to go or no one likes to talk about. And then above that is Galilee. Jesus is down in Judea and decides, hey, I'm going to go home. I'm going to take a trip, and I'm going to go home. And, and for us, it's not like a short trip, like, you know, he's heading down the street to the Circle K to get a soda. He's, like, walking from here to Waterville. It's a 60-mile journey. It's a big trip by foot. He looks at Peter and says, Hey, Pete, hey Philip, sorry. <clears throat> he says, Hey, Philip, follow me. And Philip, just like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip's kind of thinking to himself, This, this is a big trip, Jesus. I got to pack my bags. I got to say goodbye to my wife. I got to let my job know I'm not going to be there tomorrow. Like, like, if I follow you, this is a big deal. And Philip gets up. From kind of following Jesus, we kind of, we think, rather scholars believe that he is the second follower of John the Baptist who left and followed Jesus, so he kind of knew a little bit about who Jesus was from what John said, but he doesn't know a lot of who Jesus is. Jesus extends him that invitation, hey, come with me, I'm headed back to Galilee. The first thing Philip does is he gets up and he finds his friend Nathaniel, and he tells him, hey, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about the one whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel's response, I think, is just absolutely uh, incredible and so telling. Nathaniel, who's also familiar with this area and knows what's going on in these communities, he responds back back to Philip. Nazareth? Like, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Like, Philip, nothing good has ever come from Nazareth before. Nothing. Nothing. You want me to get up and leave what I'm doing and come with you to see this guy from Nazareth? Like, who is this guy Joseph we were talked about? Like, nothing good ever comes from Nazareth. Really, Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Philip looks at him and gives him a very simple response. Come and see. I may not be able to answer your questions. I don't know what this means. I, I don't even know how he's the Messiah because it's not like we expect it at all. But come and see. I don't know how this is gonna change the world forever. I don't know how this might even change your life, Nathaniel. I'm not sure what the, the indications and the implications of all this are. But but I think you just need to come and see because I, I spent some time with him and it is completely unique. He is completely different than how we thought. We were expecting a, like a, a king and a warrior, someone who would like beat our enemies. But this isn't this kind of guy. He is, he's, he's meek and he's, and he's humble and he's soft and he's just, he's so different than what we expected you just got to come and see. Come and see. And the very first two followers of Jesus, Andrew and Philip, came by an invitation to come and see. And these two men then extended the invitation to two more men. Hey, I don't have all the answers for you. I'm not sure what this means for your life. But I'm going to invite you to come and see. And two turned into four. And four turned into a dozen. And a dozen turned into a few hundred. And before long, thousands of people are following Jesus, having no idea who he is, having no idea what would come later in his life, having no idea that he actually was the Son of God. They came on an invitation. Come and see. There's, there's something different about this. You just got to come and see. And when I think about church, I think, I think it could be like this. You see, we didn't set out to be like every church that, that, that was ever created, to be a church by church people, for church people. We set out to be something different. We set out to do something different. We set out to connect with people who'd never wanted to be in church before. And we have an incredible opportunity in this church to say, hey, I don't know how this is going to impact you. I may not have all the answers to all of your problems. I really don't even know what's so different about this place. Would you come and see? Because maybe this invitation could change your life. Maybe this invitation could could change the trajectory of your life or of your kid's life or maybe even of your grandkid's life. I don't have all the answers, but would you come and see? See, much like Andrew, he kind of looks at Jesus and he says, there's just something different. I think you're the thing we've been waiting for. I think you're the thing that we've been longing for for hundreds and thousands of years, and I, I just can't put my finger on it you're so different. I just want to come and see. Couldn't church be the same way? Shouldn't church be the same way? Isn't the church the very thing Jesus said that I'm leaving to do my work when I go away? The thing that I want to use to change the world forever? Shouldn't church be so unique that it's not like we get bored when we wake up on a Sunday morning and frustrated? I can got to go to church again and pretend to be happy but it's a place we can come and just belong before we even believe what they believe. It's a place where our kids are excited and and they wake us up in the morning because they can't wait to go to church. And they drag you out of bed on a Sunday morning when it's cold and snowy because they're so excited to be a part of what's going on in these environments. Couldn't church be like, hey, just, just come and see. Just come and see because there is something so different and something so unique. See, I know it can be. And here's why I know that. Because once upon a time, you were that unchurched person. Once upon a time, you were the person who needed an invitation to say, hey, come and see. And here you are. Once upon a time, you were the person that didn't like how church was, that didn't like the church maybe that you were a part of as a kid, that maybe thought that God could be real, but you weren't really sure how that connected and how all the dots fit together. But you were willing to come and see. Maybe it was because somebody gave you an invitation. Maybe it was because somebody gave you a series of invitations. They just wouldn't stop asking you. And you were finally so fed up with it. You're like, fine, I'll go just to shut you up. But I don't want to hear about it next week. Maybe it was because your husband said, hey, let's just go check it out. Like there, Something is different there. Maybe it was your kids said, hey, I hear they give Starburst every service. Let's check, let's check it out. I hear they give good donuts. Let's just check it out. At one point, you were the unchurched person. And you came and you saw. And my guess is, if you're still here, there, you felt like there was something different about this place. That it was a place where you felt safe, even though you didn't exactly believe what we believe. It's a place where you really weren't sure about all the things I said, but you just felt like you were at home when you showed up. And almost like you were expected when you showed up. Almost like people were happy that you came here on a Sunday morning. that's because that's exactly what we set out to do, to create a church where people just like you who didn't like church or had a really bad church experience would want to come and want to be a part of it. You see, you understand this better than than most of us. You understand the power of an invitation. You understand that an invitation really does have the ability to transform and change the trajectory of a person's life because it happened to you. Or maybe because you extended the invitation and you saw it happen for somebody that was close to you. You saw it happen to your children or to your friends or to your neighbors. Because an invitation was offered and an invitation has the ability to take you from where you're at and open you up to something you never thought possible before. You see, when we set out to do this, we didn't set out to be the best church in the community, although I do believe we're the best church in the community. I'm the pastor, so I think every pastor should feel that way about their church. But I do believe we're the best church. That wasn't our goal. Our goal wasn't to be the biggest church in a community. Our goal was to be a church that was different than every other church in the community, a church that made it a point to say, we are here and we exist for those who aren't here yet for those who don't even want to be here, for those who hate the idea of going to church. We wanted to be a church for the people who were different than us, a church by church people for unchurched people. And it began to grow. And you began to come. And you began to invite. See, but until you invite people, you won't really know what we're doing. Until you begin to connect with that mission and that vision, no matter how long you've been here, You won't really see church the way it should be seen until you've seen us through the eyes and heard us through the ears of a seeker, a starter, or a returner. You haven't seen and you haven't heard. And there's nothing I can do to change that. Until you begin to invite, you don't see that difference. Because those of you who invite, those of you who have have received the invitation and now want to continue to offer the invitation, you're the best critiquers in the world. You're the best complainers in the world. Every organization gets complaints. Every organization gets critiques. I, I'm, I'm, I'm similar. I do the same thing. I go to places and I find what's good and I complain about what's bad. But, but for church people like me who kind of grew up in church, when we see things and we complain, we complain about things that, that only have to do with church people because that's what we're used to. Church is for church people. But it's the people who invite, the people who are concerned, the people who say, hey, I invited my friend. Are you going to do anything weird this week? How many songs are you going to sing? You're not going to sing too many. Don't sing too few. Who's speaking? Is the coffee going to taste good? The donuts better not be stale. How's kids' check-in going to go? Are my kids going to have fun? Is it going to look clean? Is it going to smell good? You see, those who are inviting, you're concerned about those things. You're concerned about what it's like for a seeker, for a starter, for a returner, for the the, uh, people that you've invested in and you've invited to come with you. You're the best complainers. We hear complaints all the time, and sometimes we're like, you know, these are just people like us. These are church people who are complaining about church people things. But every once in a while, we get a complaint. Every once in a while, we get a critique, and it's like a light goes off. It's like, no, that's someone who's on mission with us, who sees something we haven't seen before and who's concerned of how that might impact a seeker or a starter or a returner from coming. You see, inviters are the best complainers because you complain about the right things and you critique the right things to make sure that if you're going to invest and you're going to invite someone, that this place remains a place that was set up and created for them. You See, but if you don't do that, If you don't critique, if you don't invite, if we become a church of church people for church people, our trajectory is going to begin to shift. It's going to begin to change. And all we're going to do is be concerned about how that impacts all of us church people. I don't want to do that. I didn't set out to be a church like that. I don't want to raise my kids in a church like that. And my guess is, you don't want that either, or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have accepted the invitation and stayed. There was something different. And what was different was that we were a church set up by church people for unchurch people. And we want to remain to do so. A few uh, weeks ago I had an opportunity to talk with a lady who had attended here for the second time. She'd come the first time and really liked it, but she came the second time and she just had this like this like stupid big grin on her face and just smiling ear to ear. And I walked up and I asked her how a week was she said, It was so good, Jim. I just I couldn't stop thinking about this church. All week it was just, it was just all, all the time I woke up and I thought about it. I went to bed and I thought about it. And I told my husband over and over again, You just gotta come with me. You just gotta come. Come and see because something's different. This isn't like the churches I'm used to. This isn't this isn't like the churches I grew up would you just come and see with me? And she brought her husband. And I looked at her husband and you could see like the exhaustion on his face. Yeah, she asked me every day. But there was something so different and so unique. She wanted to be a part of it. She said, I know I'm a church person, but but can I continue to come? Sure, come and bring the people around you who need an environment like this. Who need a place where they can call home even though they don't believe what we believe. Who need a place where they can belong that feels like it was created just for them. Because that's what we've always set out to do. We're not the church that's going to be here to to preach through the book of Revelation and and, and, do all the things that church people love to do. That's not us. Because we're not concerned about giving you information that you haven't known. We're concerned about giving you information that's helpful and practical that would help you take one more step in the direction of your Heavenly Father. That's our goal. Our goal is to see you connect and to see you grow. To take one more step in the direction of your Heavenly Father. Now, all of this comes down to this. The whole reason we're talking about an invitation is we have before us an incredible opportunity to invite people over the next two months. December and January, Christmas and the New Year. People are never more prone to go to church than during the holiday season and the New Year. Christmas, I mean, let's face it. Christmas, people put baby Jesuses everywhere. They're in their living room. They're in the front lawn. They don't even know who Jesus is, and they put little Jesuses out. There is never more of a time where they, people are willing to talk about Jesus than during the holiday season. So we want you to invite people. Starting next week, we're doing a new Christmas series for three weeks. We want you to invite people. In your worship guides, I told you we'd get back to this. There's this little guide given that shows you everything we're doing over the holiday season. We like to celebrate Christmas big because Christmas is important to us. Every week, we're doing something fun. Next week, as we start our new series, we're going to have cookies for everyone. If your kids are coming, tell them to come in their pajamas. It's pajama day in our kids' department. On the 14th, we have our Grinchmas party. We have a lot of fun in that. That's a Friday night. We're giving away an Xbox. We're going to have crafts and games and all kinds of weird uh, Grinchmas snacks and, and drinks. And you know, Your kids are going to love it. You might not so much, but your kids are going to think it's awesome. <clears throat> That's the 14th. The 16th, is our final day for that food drive. We're also going to have a Christmas party for our kids. The 23rd, we're going to have a hot cocoa bar with all kinds of snacks. And then the 24th, we have our Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve service for us is huge. It's the one time of year we get a little traditional where we do candlelight and we sing Christmas carols and we read through the, the, the Christmas story in a really unique way. It's a family service. So you and all of your kids come and you sit here for a few minutes as we celebrate Christmas together on the 24th. And then we do something unique. We do something that I don't know of any other church that really does this. We take the next week off. Next Sunday, we're closed. We don't have anyone come. We send all of our volunteers home. We give them the weekend off. We give you the weekend off. You can do church at home if you want, or if you're like us, you can sleep in and take that one day to to recover some rest. We take a week off, and we want you to do the same, and then we come back in the new year, and in the new year, everyone's kind of rethinking about their lives, rethinking the things they want to start, the changes they want to make, maybe the course they've been on and the trajectory they've been on and how they can change it. The new year is an incredible time to invite people. And we want to do that for you. We want you to, to continue to help us to be a church that is created for unchurched people. Because if you don't invite them, if you don't continue to invite people, we will become a church for church people. And we'll go off our path and we will never be open and welcoming as we are now. So we need your help. You have an incredible opportunity to invest and invite people out through a series of invitations to this Christmas season. And if at all else, if this isn't the season, if you try and no one extends, there are other times throughout the year to do that, and we're going to give you kind of a little cheat sheet for that. We call this the three knots. Here are times that you want to invite people throughout the year. First, The first one is if they're not in church. The second one is if they're not, things aren't going well. And last, the things they're not prepared for. If you find somebody that you're talking to and they say, you know, I'm not in church. I just moved to the area. I'm really not not sure where to go. Or I'm not in church. I never thought church was important. I'm not in church because I hate church and I never want to go. That's an opportunity to invite someone. Really? You should come to my church. Really? You don't go to church? You just moved here? Hey, you should come to my church. Come and see. Hey, things aren't going well. You know, we got this really bad diagnosis or there's this problem with me and my wife or there's this problem with my child or I just lost my job things aren't going well. Really? You should come to my church. They may not even be talking about the issue you're dealing with, but when you begin to meet the people that are there, man, it'll change you. I'm not prepared for this. You know, I just sent my first grader off to school for the first time, or I sent my college student off. He's my last one, and now I'm an empty nester. I'm about to get married. I'm about to have my first baby. I'm not prepared for it. Really? You should come to my church. You should come and check it out. It may not have all the answers you're looking for, but there's something different, and there's something unique, and it was created just for you. You should come and see. So here's what I want you to do. I want you, we're going to play a little game. You're going to get interactive with me. I want us to say this together. I'm going to say things aren't going well, and here's what I want you to say. Really? You should come to my church. We're going to practice. That way you're ready over the next few weeks to invite people. You ready? Everyone ready to do this with me? All right. Things aren't going well at home. See, it's not that hard. You guys got it down already. Really? You should come to my church. Over the last year, I made it kind of a point for myself to begin to invite people. And I know that sounds weird. Like, well, you're the pastor. You should always be inviting people. It feels really weird to invite someone to church to come and hear me. Like, hey, you should come to my church and hear what I have to say for 40 minutes. It's awesome. Like, that always felt uncomfortable for me. And about a year ago, it kind of hit me. Like, people don't come here for me. I'm not that good of a speaker, I'm really not that outgoing, I'm not that charismatic. They come back week after week because of you. Because of the environments you create, and you pay for, and you volunteer in. Because of of the hard work you put in, and how welcoming you are. And you greet people with a smile, regardless of what their life's like. We serve awesome coffee and donuts. We make the the, the environments feel so welcoming, I hear all the time. I feel like I can be a part of this, even though I just came in for the very first time today. They come because of you, not because of me. So I've made it a point. I'm just going to start inviting people. I don't care if I'm preaching. Come and check it out because these people are awesome. You may not like what I have to say. Chances are you're probably not going to. But you're going to like the people. I hope you like the coffee. But I'll tell you this. If you come, your kids are going to love it. And you're going to have to come back. And I just begin to invite people. My wife began to do the same thing. Some of you are here probably because she extended an invitation Because she decided to just say it doesn't matter anymore. Would you just come and see? We may not have all the answers, but would you just come and see? Because chances are you'll come in and you'll experience an environment that will change your life forever. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what hangs in the balance of your willingness to extend an invitation? Do you know what hangs in the balance of your willingness to extend an invitation to say come and see to someone? No, we don't. But we also don't understand how someone's life can completely be transformed and the trajectory that it could take because of an invitation you're willing to offer. An invitation really can change everything. And you have an opportunity to invite your friends, to invite your family, to invite your neighbors, to invite that coworker you don't like. Get them here. Maybe it'll change them and you'll like them. We have invitations all over the place. You can grab these in the back that tell them they're invited to any service. We have Christmas invitations. Share our events on social media. Find a way to connect with someone, to invest. And say, I may not know what's going on completely. I may not really understand the answers to all of your problems and your questions. But you should just come and see. Just come and check it out. Because chances are you'll connect with some people. And your life will never be the same. You have an opportunity through a series of invitations or through an invitation to see someone's life completely transformed, to see the trajectory of someone's life, their kid's life, their grandchildren's life, completely transformed. Because an invitation really can change everything. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you, God first of all, that you've given us an opportunity to connect, God. I thank you for Jesus and for really the reason we celebrate this holiday season and we go big because we love him so much and we just want everyone to know how awesome he is. I thank you for every person here. First, I thank you that they responded to an invitation and that perhaps, God, their life has been changed and is on a different trajectory because of it. But I pray you would continue to cause us to be inviters, God, to connect with that mission and say, God, this isn't just for me, but I can't wait to see somebody else connect just the same way I did. I pray that we would always be a church of inviters, God, a church of come and see and experience something brand new that was created for you. Give us the courage to extend those invitations and the wisdom to know when to do it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.